Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. We explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in light of Sola Scriptura and Toda Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of Westminster Effects. Go buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com or from one of our dealers. That's also cool, too. You can also join the discussion, the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. Support the show at anchor.fm. Make sure you subscribe and you comment and you share and all that good stuff. Help get the word out. I'm a small business. I need help, your help, paying bills. <laughs> uh, old Lutheran John is not with us today. He's got the the work things going on, but in person I'm joined by... Hey everybody, it's Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And fun topic for today, it's about Murphy's Law. <laughs> Good old Murphy. <laughs> Good old Murphy. Anything that can go wrong, will. We've experienced a little bit of that here at Resurrection Church recently. Uh, Most recently, so from my perspective, (laughs) in the second, I played both services, but in the second service, our connections minister, Ethan, wanted the small group leaders, as many of them who could attend, to attend the last uh, meeting of this um, membership class that we're doing that mm-hmm. my parents teach mm-hmm. about every other month, every three months or so. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the whole connections plugging in thing, hey, these are the small group leaders, go say hi. And I'm sitting down there and my wife, Kristen, I didn't tell her that we were doing this episode. We're just, <laughs> just going to surprise her. <laughs> She's going to You're welcome, me. Kristen. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, she was running sound and I get a text message in the middle of that Hey, can you send Ethan up here? And I'm like, what did like Amber have a his wife like did she have a stroke or <laughs> or something? And um <laughs> and I'm like, why? She said the sound and the projector just went out. I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, it turns out she had kicked a power conditioner. <laughs> turned it off uh and it wasn't the normal one that we just hit to turn on it was a secondary one and she didn't know that that was hooked up which is understandable but the last what half of that service you just had to yell yeah yell but you know our our sanctuary is not that big it's not that big and the acoustics are decent and i just talked a little louder and honestly i told her Two two minutes, 60 seconds after it went out, and I went, oh, the power's out. I even said something out loud about it. I just started rolling and completely forgot about it. Yeah. Um, and I I talked to a few people who didn't even seem to care. Uh, right. Which I love about our church. I love that about our church. Just, you know, we it's probably, I guess, where we're going to go with this, but I just love that we don't you know, the wheels don't completely come off when things like that happen. Right. Right. And so that's the most recent one. Uh, you had one. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're hesitant to bring it up. And uh, don't no. Be- oh no, I'm not hesitant. Okay. <laughs> uh, because it's such a great story. I can't remember if we've told it on the podcast, but the floor is yours. <laughs> 
so to to make Kristen feel better, I I had to pee in the middle of a sermon about two or three weeks, four weeks ago. Yeah, like um. So between services, we have two here. I always come back to my office and I get a snack. I mean, I it's just my routine. I come back and have a bowl of cereal and a protein shake or whatever, which I did. I drank a bunch of water and I walked back over to the main building. And I also have a habit of when I come back over to the main building before the second service, instead of going into the sanctuary and greeting people, mm-hmm. I, I go back through the kids' hallway and I'll talk to the mm-hmm. volunteers. I'll go hug some babies. You know, I'll just yep. see what's going on back there, and which I did. And I completely forgot because as I'm walking over, I go, I need to pee. But then I started talking to everybody and I forgot. And then, <laughs> oh, it's time for service to start. So I go into the sanctuary and worship's about to start. And I go, I got to pee. And then I get lost in worship and kind of forget about it. And then I get up to teach, and I think, I got to (laughs) pee. And I'm like, well, maybe I can make it. Well, I couldn't make it. And it got to the point where I was about to do the pee dance, you know, like a a little seven-year-old playing Little League baseball in left field. I was about about to do the pee dance. The video clip that I've seen, because I was out of town at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference, and I hate that I missed it. (laughs) (laughs) But the video clip I've seen, I don't know that I've ever seen you at a loss for words like that. (laughs) I was like, what am I going to do? Like, this was literally, this is how I felt, as I thought, I can't make it. So... What choice do I have? I'm, I'm, I'm literally thinking, if I don't do this, I'm going to pee in my pants, which is going to be far worse than if I just admit I've got a problem up here. <laughs> so I just stopped in the middle and I said, guys, I'm sorry. I've got to go to the bathroom. I can't think straight. And y'all just going to have to wait. I don't know what else to tell you. That's literally <laughs> what I said. I don't know what else to tell you. I'm sorry. And so I walked off the platform I came back in. You and, did remember to turn off your microphone. Yeah, well, yes, I did remember. And also, Ethan, our uh, student and connections minister, he was so he, – he's just always Johnny on the spot, man. And he looked over at whoever was running sound and said, mute him. <laughs> uh, because he knew that if I didn't remember to turn that mic off, that everybody was going to hear. <laughs> hear. What was was happening? So um, he, I did remember to turn it off, and he had me muted. And then I walked back in, and uh, Ethan had everybody slow clap when I walked back in. <laughs> but I just, I mean, literally, I just jumped right up there and picked up where I left off, and it wasn't a big deal, right? And I, I mean, I listen. If if anybody's had gaffes in front of people, it's me. I tripped one time on stage. I remember that. Yep. Uh, I I did half a sermon with my fly down one time. (laughs) I've done all these things and our church is no worse for the wear. Right. And I've had technical stuff go wrong. I've stepped on the wrong pedal to turn it on. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm melting faces. Yes. Uh, You know, you, you have brain farts on guitar parts and uh, we've played lion and the lamb in about 18 different keys. It feels like. <laughs> That's true. That's and true. and there was one time, I think it was, I think Mary was singing that week. So it was higher than normal. Mm. And I reverted on the doo-doo-doo-doo-doo to the wrong key. And it sounded like I'd kicked a cat yeah. for a second. I was just like, oh, no. Like just kind of yeah. that deer in headlights look yeah. of, oh, wait, I have to do a little calculus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and <laughs> the, other, the other Sunday, you were 
getting out the preaching table as I was about to come out. <laughs> yep. And I had left my Bible and my iPad <laughs> on that table, said table. And one of the elders is up praying. Uh, and you're grabbing the table at the middle of the prayer, and the Bible and the iPad slide off and hit the cymbals on the drums. <laughs> it's like we, we could keep worship fails Instagram account. Oh, just going, by ourselves, going forever. Just, just by ourselves. ourselves. Yeah, uh, we've had recently where Stephen uh, came in at the wrong like extra measures mm-hmm. uh, before he comes in on vocals. Yep. We've had people forget lyrics just entirely and mm. redo verses yep uh but i mean it kind of goes to like it, it speaks to our church's credit of being able to just roll with that mm-hmm. it also speaks to the fact that we don't view church as a performance to be nailed like yes there are times and and i felt pretty good about music uh this sunday our, mm-hmm. our congregation sang well and we played well. Mm-hmm. Uh, those don't necessarily correlate every week. That's true. <laughs> where there are times where you know <laughs> we kill it up there and nobody sings, and then there's times where we don't know what we're doing and the congregation sings really well. But both of those lined up this week. Um, we're not performing, right? Uh, and I think that's really important to keep in mind. Is uh, this is not a performance? If if you're up there trying to put on a show, then any any little thing that goes wrong can derail the whole service, mm. and then it derails how you even think about it afterward, right? I, I think so, and I, here's the scary part of this is if you – if you embrace this, what you're talking about, that we, we don't gather on the Lord's Day uh, to perform. Um, the scary part is, well, if we, if we you know, eliminate or reduce significantly the ethic of performance, then we're going to compromise excellence. And I don't think you have to. No. I, I, all these examples that we've listed, I think are – they serve as good – little reminders for us as we strive for excellence. Mm-hmm. It, it Because one of the things we talk about as a staff, and we've talked about it at in among our church leadership with trustees and with the elders, is that we want to go after simplicity um, without compromising excellence. We want to go after a family feel, a uh, a congregational feel. We're in this together feel as opposed to Let's watch and enjoy and take in what's happening on the stage. Like that—that's something that I think we're leaning into as a church, um, as good as we've ever as we ever have. And I want to see us do that more. I want to see us be more focused on uh, this. Is this is more like a family gathering than it is a concert? And I may have mentioned on this podcast I went to uh, see Need to Breathe recently, and it was one of the first uh, concerts I've been to in a long time and i had forgotten what an adrenaline rush that is yeah like the 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 way they did all of it the way everything from the way they came out to what they had on the screen to the way the lights were done to the way they structured the songs the way they moved from song to song um the builds in the song it's a rush man yep and the volume of the way the way the sound is mixed it's 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 meant to move you. Mm-hmm. And I, that's great. That's good entertainment. But I don't think that's what the church should be after. Yep. Um, I really think the church should be after singing together, 
Um, let's let's be as excellent as we can be, but let's not take ourselves too seriously. Let's not treat the gathering like it's a performance. Let's treat it, treat it more like it's a, the people of God coming together to to worship and and be discipled, and that's what we're about. Yes, which it, seems to be like a theme of our last several podcasts. God, I know it's it's goodness. Yes, uh, which I think is intentional. The more. The more I see coming out of contemporary worship culture, the more maybe repulsed is a, is too strong a word, uh, but we'll just roll with it for for time's sake. Is I, I kind of feel uh, I want to push back against it. Mm-hmm. Why do we have to have the fog machine and the strobes and all that? Like, there's nothing wrong with the those things in and of themselves. And I don't think you could even say that they're necessarily wrong in a church service mm. in and of themselves. It's what's the motivation behind it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, you know, talking about concerts and stuff uh, and, and, and the adrenaline rush is, you know, my band a couple months ago played a, our first show in several years and I forgot how strong that adrenaline rush can be. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I right. get up and I got a, like our first song starts really heavy. And I get up to do backed down clean vocals, and I was like, I can't control my diaphragm right now. <laughs> this is going to be a disaster. And gradually, everything kind of calmed back down. But we're it, we're not the consequences of performance based church services results in you have to have an adrenaline rush in every church service. So true, and. That wears people out. Uh, I talk about it all the time, but it's the difference between what I like to call a football mentality and a baseball mentality. Hmm. Is is football mentality is let me get jacked up and I'll go run through a wall. Right. And there are times for that. Yep. Uh, but with a baseball mentality, you have 162 games a year. Yep. If you treat every game uh, with as much energy as you would uh, – uh, I guess 17 games in the NFL or 12 games in college, if you treat it with that much emotion and energy, you're going to have an ulcer by the end of the season. Yeah. You know, And there are times to celebrate, and yes, this is amazing kind of stuff. Uh, go listen to the episode we did with Mark Dewey. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's more of an even keel, self-control. Yes, this is great. Yep. But I'm not going to get... Th- I'm not going to get overly worked up about it, yep. which sustains you through that long haul grind of the season. I think yeah, that's exactly right. And I think there's a correlation to be made with the church. We got 52 of these services every year yep. and they don't stop. That's right. <laughs> well, and, and, and between those 50, you know, <clears throat> each one of those 52 services a year, um, there's a lot of life. There's a lot of week that's lived yeah. in between that. Yep. And I think the, I, I would not only say that, you know, the event based performance focused kind of church service, it's, it, it's not only, um, uh, what was the word you used, uh, as far as the Christian life goes, um, repulsive. No, I don't, or- I don't know. The adrenaline rush. Yeah, the adrenaline rush is yeah. is not only unhelpful, but it's it, I think it's toxic. Yes, for what the Christian life yep. is really all about. Mary and I were reading Acts eleven yesterday morning, and th- this is the account of when 
because of persecution, believers were scattered and then we went about proclaiming the good news and they reached Antioch mm-hmm. and lots of people got saved in Antioch and word got back to to the to the leaders, apostles in Jerusalem that this was happening. And so they sent Barnabas down there to check it out, see what's going on. And so Barnabas gets there and verse 23 of Acts 11, when he, talking about Barnabas, came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And listen to this. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Yep. And w- as we were reading that, Mary just said, that word steadfast just is leaping off the page to me right now. To just think about, you know, the Bible talks about the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You know, it's it's just consistent. It's there. It's all the time. And the call that Barnabas gave to the believers in Antioch was to remain steadfast, uh, consistent, day yep. in and day out. As Eugene Peterson, I think, said, it's it's a long obedience, uh, this, this thing we call the Christian life. And I don't think the, the adrenaline rush of an event, a performance every week is helpful. I think it's even toxic to making disi- making disciples who yep. consistently day in and day out are leaning into this new life we have in Christ. I think there's there's just so much life that's lived between Sundays. Yep. That <clears throat> you cannot expect a a Christian to be steadfast when they're addicted to an adrenaline rush of a service where we we just try to um I don't know stir their emotions with the the lights and the smoke machines and the and the sound and the and the videos and the you know I just I, to be honest I think a lot of that stuff has a timestamp on it in the church world oh, absolutely. I just don't think it's going to last I could be wrong it may not happen in my lifetime I just don't think that the you know we've got a we've got a good friend who's in the AVL business and they do a ton of churches mm-hmm. and it's not uncommon for him to be you know, writing up a seven-figure proposal on a church that's nothing but AVL. Yeah, which and uh, again, nothing evil in and of itself. Nothing for evil in and of itself. If you if you have a and you know I'm I'm not necessarily well. I can't say that a ten thousand church, person church is evil. I can't no. say that, but I don't think it's optimum, right? Uh, so. My misgivings about church sizes and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with it in and of itself. Yeah, and when, I and I should qualify to say you could leverage seven figures in AVL to promote the kind of culture and atmosphere that we're lauding today. Not uh, oh yeah, you yeah. could you could use that money really well to promote not a performance but promote a high quality experience for believers to gather and and as a congregation sing to one another in psalms hymns, yes. and spiritual songs you can do that i just think typically speaking that's not right where that money is devoted and that's tragic i think yep and it, it also brings to mind i don't remember a book chapter verse i think it's one of paul's letters where he's like pray for the government that they'll leave us alone yes Timothy. so, so we can live peaceable quiet lives peaceable quiet lives like 
<laughs> that's so different than the uh, and again, listen to the Mark Dewey episode of the look at me mentality mm-hmm. too, where where churches can get into that too mm-hmm. of look at all of this stuff that we're doing. It's amazing. Even with the uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast yep. with so many clips of Driscoll talking up Driscoll yep. and talking up Mars Hill. And at Res, we're like, <clears throat> yes, uh, we have things that we're excited that God is doing, uh, all these different things in and through us, and that's fantastic. But we're not the point. No. You know, e- eventually, uh, like you were talking about in the midweek Bible study, eventually you're going to hand off the church to somebody. Yeah. And it could be eventually that this church outright dies off one day. Sure. But the church uh, universal is going to keep going. Yes. Yes. And we're okay with that. Absolutely. I think, you know, you got to hold everything loosely. Um, there's, there's, uh, I don't know. I, there, I think there's a general attitude and approach uh, to being a part of a local church that is, it, it is based in humility. It is based in, thinking of others more significant than yourselves. There is a sense of community and unity that we we strive for that I think performance-based ministry does not encourage and it doesn't yep. foster. Um, it, and so is there a way for us to embrace the, the Murphy's Law episodes in our life and ministry uh, in, in the life of our local churches? Is there a way to not not feel so embarrassed and, um, you know, feel like we failed when those things happen, but actually celebrate them. You know, um, you know, I could crawl in a hole and absolutely feel like a, the worst, you know, pastor ever because I had to pee in the middle of a sermon or because <laughs> I, you know, it, it like, because I tripped on a stage one time. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think I either because of, you know, those things have happened to me or just because the Lord has used them in a good way in my life. I just don't, I don't feel the need to take myself so seriously. And I don't feel the need to uh, come away from a Sunday morning and feel like, man, I just slayed it. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I just slayed it. Cause that, th- those, those things are fleeting, right? Um, you make a great point of not taking ourselves too seriously too. Yeah. Uh, it, one, no one else does. <laughs> well, and, and I, listen, I told the staff, I told the staff this, uh, within the last week, I said, have you noticed how there, there are some, I don't shall we say, uh, phrases, words that we're using on the regular now that, that are fairly new to help our church think well about certain things. I, I won't list them all out, but I, I, I mentioned to the staff, I said, have you noticed that we started talking about some of these things back in June, and it's just now, September, October, that we're starting to hear them repeated, and we've been consistently using those things. Mm-hmm. I said, this is, th- I, to me, that is case in point of why we should not, not only should we not take ourselves too seriously, but we should not over-celebrate when the performance goes exactly like we want it to. Yep. Because that doesn't always translate into uh, truth taking root um, and, and lives truly being transformed. It, 
it, it takes it's a, it's a long game. It might take 52 Sundays of saying the same thing before it finally clicks in three people. Yep. And 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 so you got to have that mindset. Otherwise, you're you're just going to be reading your own press reports and maybe not be that fruitful. Yep. Good stuff. Inquisition. Sure. And this is the Inquisition, where you, the listener, contribute directly to the show via post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. Go, go join it. Ask us questions. We might answer. As is tradition, we start with Brian Morris, and we can always count on Brian for a good question, who asks, should churches accept cryptocurrency for giving, and should churches consider paying their staff in crypto? <laughs> I, 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 I am not the one to answer that question because I know so little about crypto. I, I know less than little about cryptocurrency. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of a fan of the stable cryptos, uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin. Uh, Dogecoin is great when it's going to the moon. I did make a little money off Dogecoin last February. <laughs> uh, but... And I have made a little money off Bitcoin, too. And it's at a record right now. Mm. And I know several people who have made five figures off of Bitcoin mm. um, and other cryptos. Um, the, the, I think the real question is, is this a legitimate store of value, you know, to speak economically? Is, and it's too early to tell, it, right? I, mean, I think so. I mean, I, I, I know that I have read um, of people who were once critics of it and now are sort of drinking the Kool-Aid. Right. Uh, I see, I see, I see several cases of that. Um, but I don't know enough about it to make a judgment on whether or not the church should be receiving it. I'm inclined, like you said, to just wait and see if it is a legitimate, what's the word you use? Store of value. Store of value. Yeah. I'd like, I would want to know that. Yeah. Now it might be, it might be helpful to accept it just because of, uh, inflation mm-hmm. stuff like that maybe uh but at the same time i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know i, I think we're kind of in the same boat there mm-hmm. maybe eventually no that's one of the reasons why i'm thankful for you and the other trustees in our church that are just more up to speed on those kinds of things because if that church if that decision does face our church at some point i think you know we, we've got there's 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 you know, I don't want to over spiritualize this, but you think yeah. about you think about when in Acts six, when the when the widows were being neglected and they appointed the first deacons, they said, "Select from among yourselves men full of the Holy Spirit." So they obviously had to be uh, men that were capable of mm-hmm. performing this task, but they also looked for men who were, you know, of the Spirit, and and, and it evidenced that they were leaning into and walking in the spirit and so i think you know having people in your local church that are educated and informed on these things but also sensitive to the spirit is essential right absolutely all right austin dobbs with a baseball question for us since this is the westminster effects baseball podcast every now and then Mm -hmm. as well go Uh, braves yes go braves the world series we're recording this on a tuesday it should come out thursday so the world series will still be going on go braves Mm -hmm. and he asks is stealing signs a violation of the eighth commandment regardless of the use (laughs) of technology uh and or trash cans (laughs) so technological sign stealing 
Yes. Yes. That is absolutely. I would absolutely agree. Uh, but if the catcher is too dumb to not look at the batter and make sure that he's not peering directly at his hand. Yeah. That's fair game or whatever. And I did that. I actually did that a lot when I was playing is I would, I would just sit, stand there in the box. I wasn't a very good hitter. I needed all the edge I could get. And I'd just look and a catcher caught me one time and then threw down a, a middle finger, yep. <laughs> which means that the next one is coming high and tight. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, sign stealing's fine. It's part of the game. Well, uh, I think there, there's a, <laughs> I think there's a responsibility that the Steeler has of not, you know, violating the the rules and the norms in, in you, know, yes. you know, technologically and beating on trash cans and stuff. But like you said, there's also a competitive responsibility that the catcher has to, yep. you know, veil his signs. Yep. I mean, you know, that that's – I think that's that's part of sport. Or, or coaches for that matter. Coaches too, exactly. Where, where you know – Back in my in my coaching days, we we picked off signs uh, mm-hmm. from some coaches who just had such simplistic systems at a varsity high school level. Like, of you're asking to get those signs stolen, yep. and so we would know exactly what they were going to do. All right, let's draw this up. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, or you know, coming up with a system of calling out to the batter of, hey, we know what's coming. It, this yeah. is a fastball. Get ready. You know, and that's on you at that point. Well, you know, this came up in our podcast with uh, Dewey. Yep. Um, when I asked him about throwing it, throwing it <laughs> batters after you know, as as a retaliation, it, there in every sport, every sport, there are written rules and there are unwritten rules. Mm-hmm. There are unwritten unwritten codes of ethic that also govern the sport alongside the written rules uh, that you you can't and you should not violate. Um, and I think you either have to get on – and some of those might might present some moral gray areas, but I think that, you know, it, it's part of sport. It's part of competitive sport. And to me, the attitude behind it all is really what, what you know, a believer who plays sport either recreationally or professionally should – uh, consider and I, I appreciated. Is it Mark Dewey or Mike Dewey? Mark. Mark Dewey. I appreciated his response. If you hadn't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. I because he, he he advocated for the integrity of the game. He a- advocated for um, the, these you know the written rules and the unwritten codes of ethics that govern things like when a pitcher throws at a batter, you know, um, mm-hmm. in, in retaliation. And I, I thought it was a good response from a Christian perspective. Yeah, I do too. Uh, last question from Casey Starnes. This is a fun one to end on, especially with Halloween coming up. And it is okay to celebrate Halloween as a Christian. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, all Hallows, you know. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Just saying. Uh, what's your take on Judgment House slash Hell House slash whatever people call it? I grew up working in them, but then I got saved, and now I have a hard time articulating why they're bad outside of decisionistic theology. That's exactly why they're bad. Right. Uh, Well, to kind of define terms, these judgment houses are basically around Halloween, usually. Churches will set up maybe in a basement or something like that, Uh, basically a Christianized... uh, haunted house 
Yep. And and it's basically to, uh, I guess you could say, scare the hell out of people mm-hmm. <laughs> to get them to you know get off of their uh, off of their sin and into Jesus. So there's a good motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say a really good motivation, but the decisionism is something we're completely against. Yeah, I'm against decisionism, and I'm also against weak, inadequate re- demonstration replacements. Go go back through the Book of Acts and look at gospel presentations. Look look at where. Um, where in the book of Acts the proclamation of the good news was made, and show me, A, where there was dramatized things to to supplement that. I'm not saying drama's bad. I'm not saying that God can't Mm -hmm. use drama. I'm not saying that. But this feels like, this feels opportunistic Mm -hmm. with me. These judgment houses feel like, you know, giving an altar call at a funeral. I am not a fan of that. That, 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 have, you, have you seen that? Oh, absolutely! I've seen that, and I've had I've had people ask me to do them, and I've told them no. I'm not I've, doing that. I've never even uh, that's new to me, actually. Yeah, no, no, that's that. a, that's a thing, man. A lot of people that they think that this is an opportunity for all my unsaved loved ones to make a decision for Christ, Christ quote unquote, and I, I just think that that is. I don't know. I don't want to say wicked, but I think that is just that is shady. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the gospel proclamations and acts. You know, generally speaking, came on the heels of a demonstration that required explanation. When Peter and John healed the lame man, there's a legitimate question. We know this guy. He sits by the beautiful gate every day, and now he's walking. What in the world's going on? And Peter's like, "You know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you know this Jesus, the Holy and Righteous One, the Prince of Life, that you killed." And chose a murderer over him. <laughs> He's the one that's done this. You know, don't look at us. Don't look at our power and piety. There's, the, the, you know, he he lays it out there, and and it's like th- there's no mention of you know turn or burn or you know here's kind of what hell might be like, and here's kind of what heaven like might be like. So choose. Uh, the the essence of the proclamation is Jesus Christ is Lord, and we scatter that seed like faithful. Uh, participating seed sowers with Jesus, and we look for where it bears fruit, and then we we disciple those in whom uh, they receive the word. And I just think those judgment house things are um, they're, they're too opportunistic. And um, I, I know churches that you know that that's their big thing. They they plan their whole year around them, right? And uh, I'm I'm not a fan at all. And, and we're not accusing people of heresy. No, here we're just saying it's dumb. No, it, <laughs> I, th- I think it's it's misguided zeal. Yeah, and, and I and you're also not saying that there is no place for talking about hell in a gospel absolutely presentation. Not. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, look, Jesus Christ. Ultimately, Jesus Christ is making Himself known. Yes, agreed. Like, no, I don't think any biblically literate person would deny that ultimately it's Jesus who is making himself known. And he's doing that through his church. He's doing that through people. So we are participants. We're not um, initiators in, in the sense that we're called to go out and just 
find ways to be convincing. We just we go out and we proclaim. I mean, Jesus told the 70 when he sent them out, take nothing, don't talk to anybody on the way. You stop if there's a man of peace in the house. Yep. You stay there, eat their food, and heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. Mm-hmm. It's it's really pretty simple um, if, if we would just go about it as we're participants with Jesus in his kingdom agenda. I think we would find ourselves less drawn to, um, I mean, this all kind of comes full circle with this question, less drawn to a performance-based ministry uh, where we're trying to be so impressive that we convince people to make the right decision. I just don't think that's the essence. So of- it gets it gets to back to the foolishness of preaching because you're preaching to dead people. That's and, right. and so if you actually bring that into the discussion of being impressive so that unbelievers uh, you know, make a decision, yeah. what you're really doing is you're putting on a concert in a graveyard mm-hmm. hoping that your music is so good that you get a bunch of zombies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and we should laugh at that. Th- that's right. I mean, this is a very crude comparison, and, and every analogy breaks down. But you know, if you think about um, when, again, going back to sports, when, um, regardless of what level, little league or major leagues, when a tryout is held, you know, what happens? A bunch of people sign up for that. Mm-hmm. And the scouts or the coaches or the managers, they're, what they're doing is they're looking, they're out there watching, and they're watching for the invitation is given. People sign up and they come. And then they're looking for the standouts. They're looking for the, the, for the ones who catch their eye. And I think evangelism works a similar way is that we, 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 we spend our lives and our energy and our time and our talent and our treasure, depending on the Spirit, to just make much of Jesus in the world. And, and sometimes that's through proclamation. That's through telling the truth and about Jesus Christ. And at times, maybe about heaven and hell, uh, but also about the Spirit, also about you know John's declaration that one's coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's mm-hmm. that's the way the Mark's gospel starts. Um, life in and with the Spirit is part of the proclamation. There, there are so many things that can be proclaimed about the good news that ultimately all find their uh, anchor in Jesus. What is it that Jesus wants to, to make known? And, and we, like good sowers participating with him, look for where the seeds sprout. Yep. That's what we do. We look for where it sprouts because some's going to fall on deaf ears. Some's going to fall on rocky soil. I think the parable of the sower is a cornerstone in the New Testament. It's a cornerstone parable in the New Testament. Jesus even says to those who ask him about it, if you don't get this parable, you're not going to understand any of them. Yep. And I think that's because this is the essence of how the kingdom grows and advances. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And those that statement comes on the heels of when the spirits poured out at Pentecost, some people thought they were drunk. <laughs> right. Others said, right. what is this? We hear the wonders of God proclaimed in our native languages. And Peter tells them to repent and believe. And 3,000, not all of them, but 3,000 were saved that day. Yep. Similar when G- Peter and John healed the lame man. So I... I think we we scatter seed and then we look for the ways in which Jesus is making himself known and who in who do we see the, their hearts being turned, their eyes being opened, their their blindness giving way to sight of this Jesus. That's what we're looking for. 
And I just think the the judgment house thing, um, I, I, there's a lot I could say about it, and we're out of time. But I think that's that's just not um, the best way to go about yeah. it. Moral of the story is, if you want to push Bradley's buttons, talk about judgment houses. Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> not that was a, a pretty good little soapbox. I've been, to one. I've been to one. I've been to several, actually. I don't know that I've ever been to one. I mean, I some I of them do. Some of them do a good job of, like, you know, uh, of what they do for yeah, what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the decor, the the props, and the staging, and the whatever. And I and I, w- I, I do not want anybody to accuse me of saying that that the reality of hell, and eternal damnation, uh, is something that we should avoid. That's not what I'm saying. Right. Right. Well, thanks for listening to the Westminster Effect Soxology Podcast. Go love God, love your neighbor, and go make music. We'll see you next week.